Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. I'm going to ask that you get your Bibles open to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. I'll be there in a moment. I want to talk to you from this subject, a Christian's response to death. A Christian's response to death. Death is universal. It will happen to everybody. Death does not take a holiday for the believer. Both the believer and the unbeliever will someday have to come face to face with dying. Though it is universal, it is often misunderstood. One of the main reasons that death is misunderstood and we seem to struggle so is that we were built to live. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 in the New Living Translation says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. You were built to live. There is an eternal part of you called your spirit, your soul. It was built to live. Therefore, Scripture calls death an enemy. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 25 and 26 says, For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Verse 26 says, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. So by no means does the Bible call death a friend. It calls death an enemy. So the struggle with death certainly is not new It is something that people have struggled with since the beginning. And this church in Thessalonica were no different. They were wondering what's going to happen, what happens as a a result of death. And so Paul had to give instructions to this church on how they were to respond to death. If you would pick up with me in verse number 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I'm reading from a New King James Version. It says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, 
and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so the question is, how are we to respond to death? Uh, The first thing he says is this, get informed. Get informed. I get that from verse number 13 because he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. The word ignorant there means to not know. It means to be unaware. It means to lack information. And Paul is telling us, telling this church and telling us that I don't want you to not know, to lack information, to be unaware of death, the issues surrounding death regarding those who have fallen asleep. And so he says, I I need you to respond, listen to this, not based upon culture, but based upon Christ. Because see, what happens is this. Many times when we experience death, because we are uninformed, we tend to mimic what we've seen done. Right, wrong, or indifferent. We do that, but he says, I want you to get information. And so what we have to understand is I need to know. He wants us to know regarding death. And he says, I need you to understand that we don't have to be ignorant and act like those who are in the world. So my response to death needs to be from an informed scriptural perspective. Amen. I cannot, you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, cannot, should not respond like the world responds. So we have to get information. See, we don't understand scriptures like to live is Christ and to die is gain. We don't get that because all we know is what we've been taught and we live on this side. So we have to get information. So listen to me. He says to the church here, Don't just get information, but the second thing is this, grieve in hope. Grieve in hope. He says, because, listen, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Amen. Now, What he wanted to get across, and not just in the New Testament, but you can see in the Old Testament uh, that there was a response that the world would give that is really forbidden for us as believers, as God's people to give. Open to Leviticus chapter number 19 and verse number 28. See, the world has something. The unbeliever, those who have no hope, have improper mourning. 
they would mourn and they would do things like cut themselves. Leviticus 19 and 28. Leviticus 19 and 28 in the New King James Version. I want to read it to you, the New King James Version, as well as the New Living Version. Leviticus 19, 28 says, You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. Look at it in the New Living Translation. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 28. Do not cut your bodies for the dead and do not mark your skin with tattoos. I am the Lord. Now, what he's saying is that the pagan response to death is that they were cutting themselves for the dead. They were putting tattoos on them for the dead. One commenter said, no, 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 I want to give you this scripture first. Another scripture. Deuteronomy chapter number 14, verse number 1. Deuteronomy 14 and 1. And then I'll tell you what that commentator said. Deuteronomy 14 and 1, in the New King James says, You are the children of the Lord your God, and you shall not cut yourselves nor shave the front of your head for the dead. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. This is what one commenter said, commentator. He says, the body is a marvelous creation of God. Its wholeness represents the beauty and perfection of holiness. Thus, the body is to be kept whole. It is not to be intentionally harmed or marred in any way. Specifically prohibited is the pagan custom of lacerating the body as a means of mourning, which speak of the Israelites gashing their bodies as a part of mourning rites. This practice was to increase one's sorrow. One writer said it was primarily done to offer blood to the departed spirit. And what he's telling them is this. You are doing things that is really a pagan ritual. And you are participating in that as the people of God. And he says, you, you're different than that. You are different than that. And so when a person dies, you don't respond like the world responds. You don't do what they do. You don't mark yourself. You don't cut yourself and offer blood to a departed spirit. No, 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 no. So he says, what I need you to understand is this. He says, the world doesn't have hope. And so as a result, they are operating and grieving from a place of hopelessness. You do have hope. 
And you should grieve as a person who has hope if you are in Christ. Going back to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse 13, he says those persons who are not in Christ, they grieve as though they uh, 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 don't have, they grieve because they don't have hope. Hear this. Let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm, don't, I'm not saying don't grieve. The Scripture does not say that. Some people say, no, 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 no. Don't shed a tear or anything like that. Baby, God gave you your tear ducts. And so they're used to vent. They're used to begin to pour out what's on the inside of us. And we are emotional people. God gave us our emotions. I just can't be governed by them. And so I can't be governed by the emotions. I have to let the word of God be superimposed upon my emotions so that, listen to this, my belief determines my behavior. So I, when I face death, when we face death, we grieve in hope. A favorable expectation of the future. Why, why, why would God talk about, he give Paul this and say, we need to have hope. I thought we were talking about somebody that's dead. That should be an indication. He uses the term, yeah, they're asleep. Because that was the best way to describe what was going on? He says, we have hope because Jesus is the prototype. <laughs> Verse number 14 in 1 Thessalonians 4, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who fall asleep in Jesus. Stop right there. Now, you and I have to understand that this is the foundation of our faith walk. Because if you don't believe that Jesus died and rose again, you're not a Christian. Let me say it again. If you don't believe that Jesus died and rose again, you are not a Christian. Please understand that he didn't just go to sleep. He actually died a physical death. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. And so he said, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, I can have some hope. I have a hope because I believe, I don't know about you, but I believe it, that he rose on the third day. But then he goes on to say, even so God with him will bring those who sleep in Jesus. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on here? He says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout 
and the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So he's saying this. He says, I need you to understand you have hope because the dead in Christ are going to get up again. Wait, 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 wait. He's saying, I need you to know that there is, all of what you see of you is not all there is to see of you. It, look at somebody and say, you, you haven't seen all of me. In fact, in fact, what we're looking at on the outside can be determined as an earth suit. Hello, earthlings. But see, the issue is this. I've got something on the inside that was breathed by God. And I became as a result of God's breath. If you take the real me out of the earth suit, this body just simply dies. No wonder Paul wrote and said to be absent from the body. Oh, I got some Bible scholars in here. How can you be absent? How can you be absent from your body? So there's a distinction between you and your body. There's something more to you than what you've been giving your attention to. Thank God for the body. But he says, when we die, there's a separation. And that separation is we're absent from the body if we're a believer and we're present with the Lord. But then he says, what's going to happen? When Jesus come back, this is amazing. He says, the Lord will descend. Notice, he says, the Lord himself will descend. Where is he? From heaven. He's descending from heaven with a shout. I don't know if Elder Margot is going to be leading that shout, but he says, with a shout, and then he says, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. In other words, when Jesus returns, there's going to be some fanfare. Oh, he came meek and lowly. He came in a manger. Oh, but when he returns again, good God from Zion, there's going to be something amazing happening. And he says he is going to return. He's going to descend. And the first thing is going to happen. You think you're going to beat the dead getting up. The first thing. Oh, my goodness. You remember he gave us a little glimpse of what's going to happen when he went to the tomb of Lazarus. You remember it. You heard, you remember he heard that Lazarus, his friend, was dead. And you've heard preachers preach this and, and, and how when he, he went, Jesus went to the tomb, he had to call Lazarus forth. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And although Lazarus had been dead four days and his sister said, by now he stinketh. 
KJV. And when Lazarus came forth, he came forth bound, wrapped in grave clothes, because the word come forth had been given by God, by Jesus. Please understand, like they say, he had to say Lazarus. Because if he had said, come forth, Abraham would have jumped out the grave. Adam would have jumped out the grave. Moses and everybody else who had died before they would. Is that the wake up call we've been listening for? In other words, he cannot give the come forth prematurely. There is coming a time when he, when the trumpet of God is going to sound and the order to come forth, the scripture says the sea is going to give up its dead. I don't care what the condition of that body was, all of a sudden the molecular structure will be put back together again. All of a sudden, it's going to, when I say all of a sudden, do me a favor, bat your eye. Bat your eye. It didn't say in the batting of an eye. In the twinkling of an eye. This is going to happen so fast that it's going to be a twinkle, the resurrection power of God. Give me scripture, pastor. Sure. <laughs> Romans chapter number eight says it like this. And what's going to happen? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is going to quicken. See, I know my Pentecostals thought quickening. Oh, you think that's quickening. You might, you just had it. I don't even call that quick. I just qu. Qu. Compared to the resurrection power that's going to be released to cause every believer of all the ages to get up, he's going to quicken and make alive your mortal bodies. Your body will be like Jesus' body. You're going to have some upgrades. I know there are those of you who tell me, I'm living my best life now. No, I know you're cute. I know you're all that. I know you got muscles on top of muscles. Your muscles got muscles. You're so in shape, you're in shape in shape. And I know, I know, but you still haven't seen the best you yet. I know you just bought a $1,000 weave, but you still haven't seen the best you yet. Oh, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. But, but, but you haven't seen the best you yet. The scripture says this mortal is going to put on immortality. In other words, this body of yours, you may wreck, get up now and you have a little ache here, a little pain here, a little injury here. But hear me, there's coming a time when you will not be subject to death again. That's why I can grieve in hope. Because there's going to be a resurrection. But then it says, we're going to always be with the Lord. 
always be with the Lord. What are you talking about? All the song used to say, oh, I want to see him, to look upon his face, there to sing forever God's amazing grace on the streets of glory ever to lift my voice. If I were a hooping preacher, I would go, cares are past. But I ain't going to do that. Home at last, ever to rejoice. That's what I would do. But, but now I want you to understand, there's coming a time when you are going to see the one who loves you most. You're going to see face to face the Lord Jesus. You're going to be looking perfectly into the one who is love. No wonder Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but me to, for, to die is gain. Then he says, he didn't say it's just better. He says, far better, far better. So I don't have to grieve as those who have no hope. So I need to get, inf- get some information. I need to get informed. But I need to grieve in hope because I'm going to see Christ. I'm going to see him. But this text doesn't leave it there. He says, lastly, you need to give encouragement. Because if you go down to verse number 18, he says in verse 18, 1 Thessalonians 4, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Read that with me, please. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. The word comfort, interestingly, is parakaleo. That's the Greek word for it. It just simply means para to call. It means uh, alongside. Kaleo means to call. It means that you're called alongside. It means you're called near to encourage, console, and support. That's what it means. You're called near to encourage, console, and support. And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to comfort, I want you to encourage console and support one another. I want you to encourage each other. But now he gave specifications. He gave directions as to what to do. He says, I want you to comfort one another with what? Come on, let's let's read it again. I want you to comfort one another with what? These words. words. Comfort one another with? These words. Use these words. Now, this is not the time for you to improv. It's not the time for you to flow. Comfort one another with these words. I need to talk to my people today. I need, because we have tried to enter the ministry of comfort and encouragement, but we have brought in some other words. And I'm sure uh, 
Brother Alexander, that were, you know, you, because you deal with this, that you've heard some doozies. I've heard some. You know, you hear stuff like, well, God needed another flower. And so he went to his garden and he plucked another flower out of it. God does not need flowers. And you are not a flower. Comfort one another with these words. You get, you, you, you get in danger when you go off script. Let me tell you a popular one. God needed another angel. And so he took your loved one as an angel. God, let me just set the record straight, does not need another angel. And let me just say it so you'll get your theology right. You are a human being. You will never in time or eternity become an angel. Humans are humans. Angels are angels. Come on, say it. Humans are humans. Angels are angels. So stop getting up at folks' funeral talking about God needed another angel. If you said it, just correct it. Just stop it. Look at somebody and say, just stop it. Comfort one another with these words. Not your words. With these words. <laughs> we, we were at uh, uh, one funeral, and um, they had the recessional. They were getting ready to leave. And then they start singing, God is taking us one by one. And I said to my wife, oh my God, why, what are they singing? I said, it's like God's outside like a sniper. And he's taking everybody. You, I dare you to come out that door. And like he got the angel strategically positioned. And all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. God is taking us one by. Stop it. Comfort one another with. Please stay on script. I know some of y'all are never going to give remarks again at a funeral. Because I've taken all your words. Comfort one another with these words. Now, I know your heart may be broken. I know you may be dealing with a lot of emotion. But think through what you're going to say before you say it. Because once the words have escaped, You can't capture them. I sit sometimes 
let me give you an inside scoop on what a pastor wants to do. Sometimes I just want one of those blow darts. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just (sighs) tranquilizer. Not kill anybody, anything, just, just. I need to just give it to the musicians, just nod. (laughs) All of a sudden. (laughs) The scripture says that we are to (laughs) comfort one another with these words. So I would encourage you, look at these words. If not these words, at least look at the word. And begin from there to construct something meaningful and helpful and theologically correct before you try to enter into this ministry of encouragement. You can go there and sometimes, listen to me, let me just say this. Sometimes comforting one another is just through the ministry of presence. Sometimes you don't know what to say. So don't improv. Don't start making it up. Just say, I don't know what to say. Don't even say that. Just sit there. Job's friend just showed up, and they sat in silence. And it's something through the ministry of presence. And your presence can bring comfort to others. It can be an encouragement to others. So, when we're talking about how Christians are to respond to death, we need to get informed. But we also need to grieve in hope. But then we need to give encouragement. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. And I want to read this verse in the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse number 3, in the New Living Translation, says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we still, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share 
in the comfort God gives us. My friend, we are to get informed. We are to grieve in hope. And we are to give encouragement. That is the Christian's response to death. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.